0: Hey, I'm Ryan Phelan, and you're listening to the Epic Phelan Podcast. This episode, we're playing some more epic Jenga, and this time it is with UFC icon Nick the Promise Ring. We discuss Nick's entry into MMA fighting, the advice that he has for aspiring fighters, and why the Notorious Forest Lawn is his favorite community in Calgary. This podcast, I call it Epic Phelan. It's a play on my name, Ryan Phelan, and it's all about wins and losses in our businesses and meeting really cool people in Calgary and just getting some exposure for them. Oh, beautiful. Before we get started here, we're going to pick a game. So in the spirit of Epic Phelan, I'm going to let my guest pick. So we got Jenga, we got Skycapers, we got Exploding Kittens,
1: Second Chance, Oh my god, look at that. Sushi Go Party. Sushi Go Party. Unstable unicorns, exploding kittens. Ooh, wow. That looks good. I don't want to have to think about this, so I think we're going to go with Jenga. That seems to me like it's very uh, very simple. What's this furry one? Oh, bears and babies. Oh my god. (laughs) Bears versus babies. Oh, bears versus babies. Oh boy. Jeez. Sounds brutal. All right. Okay, we're going to go Jenga then?
0: Jenga. All right, so we got Nick... The Promise Ring. Hello, Nick. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for coming. What we look at is uh, so who you are. And for those that don't know you, you're uh, a Calgarian. Mm-hmm. And you are one of the first, probably the first Calgarian to be in
1: the UFC. Yeah, actually, I'm the first. Oh, we, we actually got a second guy now. It's a Hakeem Dawadu. Yeah, Hakim, Yeah. Oof. Yeah. He's a, he's a monster. He's fierce.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about that
1: process. Like what, first of all, got you into the martial arts? I was 15 years old when I started in martial arts. I did do a little bit of karate when I was like eight or nine, you know, yeah, it, yeah. that didn't really amount to a whole lot. Right. But I wanted to learn kickboxing. You know, I was watching like blood Sport and, <laughs> you know, all Claude, those classic yeah. movies, kickboxer yeah. and I think I'm not alone on that too. I think there's a lot of a lot of guys kind of my generation that were really into the martial arts movies at the time. Seems to me like they've kind of fallen off the uh deep and you don't see a yeah. whole lot of that anymore, right? No, but no, yeah. That was definitely a trend for back then. So
0: I think there's a little bit more mystery behind it back then when we we're There yeah. is no mystery. <laughs> there's no mystery now. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: I remember. I remember I used to watch that and it was thinking, oh, wow, I wonder what that would be like. You know, all yeah, with different crushed, martial artists. <laughs>
0: crushed glass on the hands. Yeah, and
1: fighting each other and all these different styles. And, you know, it was just, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot more intrigue now. I think it's a bit more scientific now. We really do know what the results are. You know, we know kind of what works, what doesn't. Yeah. Of course, you got a few outliers on, you know, they'll do you know, some of the more weird stuff and get away with it, right? But yeah. you got to play this all on percentages, right? So Absolutely. Speaking of martial arts movies, what would you say is your favorite martial arts movie from back in the day? I'm probably going to have to go back down to Bloodsport. That's the one I know the best. You know, I used to watch it. I love the fight scenes, you know, all that. I watched a little bit of the Bruce Lee stuff and that didn't captivate me actually quite as much for whatever reason. But, you know, I know some of the guys older than me who grew up in the 70s, you know, like yeah. they really liked, you know, all the uh, Bruce Lee stuff. So absolutely, I think you're sort of a product of your, uh, I guess, environment a little bit there. Mm-hmm. So when you're young and impressionable, you're going to be making all those connections, you know, while you're in that zone. So you really are a product of your generation.
0: Right on. So you were, you were 15 when you got started. What was the discipline that you got started in there?
1: was that- I got started with kickboxing actually. Oh. I was with, uh I was at Mike Miles. I uh, yep. did that for... Yeah, a few years. So about seven. I had about 30 fights when I decided to switch over to MMA, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was funny because when I started in martial arts, there really, you had a choice between boxing. You could do karate or taekwondo, that kind of stuff. There was a kickboxing school. There wasn't anything like grappling, although if you were part of a high school wrestling team, you would have gotten exposure to grappling, I guess. So yeah, yeah, I was training, I was training Muay Thai for about four years before I started training Jiu Jitsu. So I started training Jiu Jitsu in 1998, Muay Thai in 1994. Yeah. And I remember in 98, it was like, Oh, you know, what's that? What are these guys doing? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I didn't like it a whole lot, but uh, I was watching those UFCs, so I would rent those uh, VHS. Where Greasy VHS, just yeah. ran through everybody, right? Well, and you know what? Like, I don't think uh, any of us in the kickboxing community really liked watching that boring style. And I mean, you know, they're they're not yeah. really hitting each other and they were doing all this... Uh, weird stuff. We didn't understand the moves, obviously, but I mean, I was intrigued. I wanted to know a little bit about it, right? I was like, okay, you know, I mean, it seems to be working. So whatever he's doing or whatever they're doing, I mean, I'd like to know a little bit about it. So yeah, I started kind of dabbling in it and I dabbled for maybe four or five years. I decided to take an MMA fight. I took one in 2002. It went well. So I won that one and I kept going with it. It was a weird thing because the market, like I I could sort of sense it was shifting over to that direction anyways. 100%. And it was pretty rookie back in the early days, obviously. And for a while, it looked like it was getting all shut down. Like there was all these uh, legislations in different states like, oh yeah, no MMA, no MMA, no MMA. And there was a couple of states that just kind of hung in there. And as it got more popular and uh, as they proved that they had a, uh, I guess, a unifying set of rules or whatever Uh, some more sanctioned exactly like uh, more and more states they just started uh relaxing their rules right and it just got bigger and bigger i remember it was the ultimate fighter season one that was when the uh, top of the bottle just kind (laughs) of popped off right it was okay you know this is like mainstream now you know, and it wasn't mainstream before that, but I remember that epic fight between Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin. Oh my God. Yeah, that was... Yeah, you know what? It was a perfect ending to a great story. You know what I mean? And, you know, I mean, both guys got contracts and you lived with these guys for a few weeks. You got to uh, understand their struggles and everything. Like, uh, you knew them as a human being. I think it connected big time with the audience, right? So... I mean, yeah, people had no choice, but to, I guess uh, like them, really. So. Yeah.
0: So, get you to expand on that. But before we do that, I'm going to get you to either make your first move or you can defer it to me making the first All move. All right. Jenga,
1: Jenga, j
0: <laughs>
1: You remember those commercials? Oh, man. That's like
0: dating us. What was it? Uh You take a block from, from the, bottom the bottom and you, and you put it, it on the top. top. You take <laughs> a block
1: from the middle and you put it on top. Oh, man. All right, you're rough.
0: Okay. So you mentioned the first element fighter are tough, and the drama, and watching watching the house and whatnot. And what was uh, your experience from being uh, in the house?
1: Well, I remember when I went, I did a tryout. The tryout seemed to go pretty good. I made it past the first round, you know, then I made it past kind of a second round. It was like an interview. They do the martial arts part, and then they did the kind of interview part. And yeah, I don't know. I I knew both went pretty well. I couldn't believe it, actually. Like, they did pick me, you know, and I remember walking into the actual Ultimate Fighter house. I was like, holy crap, I'm actually in the Ultimate Fighter house. That's very, very cool. So, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, after you get rid of the uh, initial rush... You're back to work, though. I mean, you know, it's just basic. It's martial arts. You know, you're training just like you would wherever you're from. You know, uh, yeah. martial arts is martial arts, no matter where you doing it. So, yeah, I mean, the the rest of it was just managing injuries, just uh, making sure not to, over- you know, mind you, you got coaches that are really pushing you, so you gotta watch out for yourself a little bit and just make sure that you're staying healthy, right? And you're in a house full of competitors. They're all watching you. Yeah, they wanna see. Ooh, is he limping? Ooh. Oh, wow. Looks like he might have hurt his hand or something. You know what I mean? So, because, yeah, when you're training for a fight, you're in your own camp and you're, yeah, you know, you're on trusted people. Yeah. You know, these guys you don't trust and, you know, they're all potential rivals, right? So, yeah. as the fights happen, though, it's pretty clear, you know, like things are established. I mean, You know, people that are knocked out of the tournament, it's, okay, that's no longer a threat. That's no longer a threat. You know, you just kind of, you go through it. I mean, before long, I mean, you're you're down to like maybe four to six guys. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, you know, everybody, they sort of relax after a while. I mean, the race has been, you know, run for many of them, right? So it was a little frustrating though, because once you're out of the competition, like literally, you're just killing time, killing time. (laughs) Yeah. There's no newspapers, there's no music, there's no cell phones, no telephones, nothing like that. There's no communication with the outside world whatsoever. There's no books. They fill the house full of liquor. So <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to promote the
0: craziness and uh, yeah, shenanigans. Yeah, that's a little
1: bit it. I mean, the last thing they want you doing is, I don't know, going off into the corner and reading a book or something like that. Yeah, uh, they're make it a show, right? Exactly. I mean, you got to entertain yourself with the other guys around there and usually leads to some antics. Do you forget about the cameras being all in your face? No, I I didn't. I think some of the guys did. Maybe you got to be a little bit careful, but I think some of the guys didn't really care. I mean, they liked the cameras on them and uh eh. I'm a little bit more shy about that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like, literally, you got a guy with a camera in your face, right? There's cameras all over the house. So there was a couple cameramen. They would just run around. And, you know, they had, like, some kind of mic or whatever. They're like, oh, hey, go to that section of the house. (laughs) Like, it was funny because you always knew something was going on. Like, he'd be sitting at the kitchen table and everything. And the cameramen, they're not filming 100% of the time. They're just kind of hovering around. But then all of a sudden, you know, they would perk up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they put their camera up and then they run to another section of the house. You're like, oh, okay, what's going on?
0: <laughs> so that's when you get everybody running behind. Yeah, mean, everybody else is, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: They want to see what's going on, right? So, yeah. yeah, you just watch the cameraman and you can tell something's up, right? Nice.
0: Who are you following now? Is there anybody that you're kind of following? Ooh, and, uh... Uh,
1: you know what? I, I don't follow martial arts that much. I mean, if there's big fights, I'll kind of watch it. You know, it's a... Uh, I mean, I was watching Conor quite a bit, like while he was on his <laughs> upward rise. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really sure about some of his behavior lately, but oh well, yeah. you know. It I was think- definitely
0: entertaining on the whole upward ride for sure. It's like, how could you not watch? Oh, <laughs>
1: geez. It's probably an old stat, but three out of the highest grossing UFC shows in history, you know, three of them were with Conor in them, right? Oh, so, geez, yeah. You know, he definitely knows how to sell, right? Yeah, 100%. So we'll that So is, is my move, isn't oh, that it? Is, yeah,
0: that is your move.
1: You know, this is going to be harder than it looks sitting in one position. All right, here we go. Nope. There we go. Ooh. Oh, it's wobbling. That was tipsy. Oh, my. Well, well played, sir. Oh, well
0: played. What would you say if you were to give a young athlete some advice?
1: Well... First thing is consistency, so, like, if this was a brand new person, you know, I would just tell them, okay, train two days a week for six months, Yeah. you know, after that, maybe train three days a week for another six months, Uh, and you know what, they can go harder if they'd like to, but, I mean, I find with people when they first start, it's it's so easy to start something, it's so hard to keep going, you know, like, everybody's gung-ho, it's, you know, I mean, as far as like enrollments into a gym too, I mean, you'll yeah. see it. It's always after Christmas or always after summer. Yeah. People that go really hard for a month, maybe two, you know, and then they kind of drop off. The so guys that are going to be able to do it consistently over a number of years, they're going to see good results. You know, over time, you just kind of build it up. You build up that fitness you get those adaptations, those physical adaptations. Like your muscles, obviously, they're going to strengthen. Your neurology, it gets better and everything with time. Get your better timing and everything. Like it's stuff that gets built up over a period of time, right? It's not, uh, not going to be a hard effort for two months that's going to really see you through, you know, like as a professional. But you know what I mean? Definitely take that first year. Just build a routine. Build a routine over that year too, you you're going to build those adaptations. You can start pushing yourself a little bit harder. And you should be doing tournaments fairly early. You know, I mean, probably after the first six months, you should be maybe think about doing some tournaments like these are very low contact, you know, but they're exposing you to competition. You know, you're feeling some pressure now. You're not likely to get hurt. But you know, at the same time, the pressure is on. I mean, and I've done dozens of grappling tournaments, you know, I get just as nervous for those as I did for the fights. And it's, it's kind of psychological there. I mean, you got everybody watching you. You're up, you got to perform, you know, like even though there's a low risk of getting hurt, I mean, you still, you you still got to step up, ne- right?
0: And you never know what could happen, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, after you've been in a few fights, I mean, it, it really depends on the opponent, but your likelihood of getting hurt is probably fairly low, but it's definitely still there. I mean... I don't know. I look at all sorts of activities, like just on their stress levels versus how dangerous they actually are. I mean, there's just lots of activities you would do that were way more dangerous than i see fighting would be, like your downhill skiing or something like that. Now, uh, people, that would be a fun activity, but I mean, your chances of actually getting hurt. Skiing would be probably a lot higher. I mean, getting killed, yeah, you run into a tree or something like that. It's way more dangerous. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is it stressful? I don't know if it's stressful. I mean... (laughs) I'd say fighting is more stressful, but I think it's less dangerous. Yeah, you definitely have the more of that adrenaline rush, probably. Oh, well, it's man against man. Mm, yeah. and you're, you're looking this person right in the eyes and everything. And you know what? Honestly, it is your reputation versus that person's reputation. Like, that's big. I've always said whenever I've looked at the sport, and when you compare it to maybe team sports,
0: that there might be the fallout of a win or a loss is that much greater because it's all on you. Yeah. Right, where if you're playing hockey or soccer, a loss is a little easier to digest because it's a team effort. So you've lost as a team and you can all kind of console in that. Where if you were, yeah, if you didn't do well
1: on your own, it's like. Who else can you blame? Yeah. And it's, it's really hard. It really is. I mean, that's a high risk, high reward type of a situation. How are you, how are you doing I, over there? I, you, know, I, I, you, you look I, I, nervous I, right I'm, now. I'm totally, I'm
0: totally stressing out over this. I got to place this piece here.
1: Yeah. Oh my God! Oh, success, Danielson. <laughs> there we go. Good job. Another great movie. That's a good reference too. Eh? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, 1980s. Oh, I love the Karate Kid. By the way, that was that was another really good one. Yeah. Don't they have a what is it? Cobra the series Kai? I actually just watched that now. How is it? It's not too bad. Okay, so now these are the adults. These are the
0: adults. You got you do have Ralph Macchio in there, and you do have Johnny. <laughs>
1: Who's Johnny. Is uh, he... Johnny's,
0: Johnny's the uh, bully. Johnny's the bully, okay. Oh, but no, They and they kind of flipped roles in the TV show where now Ralph Macchio is kind of the successful guy, and after the fallout of Johnny's loss and the Karate Kid, he sort of, you know, went into a depression and... He drank, yeah, he, he went dan- to some dark places. Yeah, Danielson son is now the successful guy kind of downing on Johnny, so it's, it's a cool dynamic. Is he still a good guy, or
1: has, has the success it, gone to his head?
0: And that's that's the whole point of the show. Is like you gotta you gotta look at it and kind of determine for yourself. Is like, oh, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? There's like, it's pretty deep.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, was his name Johnny in the original series? Like the bad guy?
0: Yeah, I think it was. It was like you put him in a body bag, Johnny. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. So. Now, I mean, they're making Johnny a little bit more relatable. Like he's... uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was the karate kid's name? Daniel. Daniel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Duh. (laughs) daniel son. I made the (laughs) reference and everything. eh?
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Concussions are a real thing, guys. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, what? So it's a little bit more ambiguous on who's a good guy and who's a bad guy now. eh? Yeah,
0: exactly. And then you kind of really start sympathizing for... Well, for both of them, but does he have a big fat beer gut or what? But no, he's actually still looking not too bad. Even the old sensei makes a fear is not an option in this dojo, or <laughs> fear, you know, mercy is not an option in this dojo. So he makes an appearance too, and that's yeah, that's great.
1: That's right, yeah, total eighties kind of you know oh, bad guy. I, I loved those old eighties movies. I mean, yeah. they were all the same too. I mean, you, oh, had, yeah. you had the heel, and you had the good guy, and it was always good versus evil. And yeah. you know what? Despite all odds, good wins. (laughs) Yes,
0: exactly. We're now, we've taken a a turn and it's been really popular for the opposite to happen. Now the bad guys, the good guys. Yeah, bad guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. So, growing up in Calgary, of course, you're going to know a lot of things and you've met a lot of people doing what you do. What is some of your favorite parts about Calgary?
1: Well, I think the people here are Calgary is known for being a friendly place, it's also a very business friendly place. Classically, I wouldn't yeah. say not so much over the last few years, but you know, we've always had a very strong economy, you know, and I think it had a lot to do with the business friendly, you know, atmosphere that we've had, right? So that's one thing, too. You go to an older city, I guess, uh, say it was like Montreal or you know, Toronto, I mean, that's got a lot of like old money type of thing. These relationships are very well established and entrenched. And I think part of the reason that Calgary was so business friendly has to do, we had a lot of people that were kind of new to the city. Yeah. So you don't have these old entrenched, you know, established. A lot more opportunity. That a went, lot more opportunity. I mean, people that are a lot more willing to do business to start something because hey, hey, nobody's, yeah, it's not entrenched. Right? Yeah, that's so, a, that's,
0: yeah, it's it's not a like old boys network or whatever. Yeah, right? like yeah,
1: it's, yeah. A, it's a young boys network. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you got to go make some relationships, here. You know, make some stuff happen, go shake the tree, right? So, and I think that that was part of what I guess the Alberta advantage would have been, you know. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see where we get it back. But still, a young province as far as some of these things go, right? And a lot of talent. A lot of talent in this city too, right? So I would say you really got to work at it, though. I mean, I'm not big on talent. I'm I'm really big on work, right? Yeah. You know, are you are you putting in the hours? Like you work harder than the next guy. I mean, chances are you're going to get more breaks. You're going to yeah, you create your own opportunities. You for really sure. you definitely do, right? Yeah. So I think talent plays a role, but it's not the defining, you know, feature. You know, it's not the defining factor that creates success, right?
0: For sure. So what does Nick Ring do for fun in Calgary? Like what do you like to get out to do? Like is there any like venues, like do you axe Do you like to get
1: on? Do you, do, you, do you like to get on the green scooters? And <laughs> you know what? I'm. I think I'm gonna go try riding one of those. It looks like fun. You know, it's probably. You know, am I getting some nods or what? Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Jeez. I haven't done the green scooters. I mean, it definitely looks like a good time. Um, what do I do for fun? I. I'm a little bit more of a reader, I would say. I do like to get out. I like to walk and everything. I do all that kind of stuff. I love exercising, although I don't do very much anymore. But <laughs> I mean, right now I'm just, uh, I'm running a business. So, you know, I've got uh, real estate, just rental property. You know, I spend a lot of time just managing tenants and stuff. For me, it, it's good. It's a very people-oriented business. You know, I'm, I'm there to solve problems for people and help them out any way I can. So,
0: so real estate is an investment. I always like to ask my different guests, what, what are their takes on real estate as an investment? investment is. And
1: obviously you've been doing that and you're happy with that. It is an investment for sure. They don't always go up in value as we know here in Calgary yep. I and mean, they go down as well. That's kind of a long-term thing. I mean, as those mortgages get paid down and as you, I don't know, as you become more established in your business, I think it becomes a little bit easier. Those first five years, uh, maybe first 10 years, I mean, they could be pretty tough, right? you know, you get a couple of downturns. I mean, I've seen guys get ruined, you know, in this business. So, you know, and it usually comes down to maybe spending too much or you're just not paying attention to the little details, but you know, those things really matter. So
0: in the spirit of epic failing, (laughs) so what would you say would be an epic fail for somebody that's like getting into the real estate market because they want to make some money? Like, well, well, So the biggest mistake that somebody can make,
1: I think we're all there to make money, but I don't think you should be paying too much for a property. That's for sure. I think your due diligence on your renters is pretty important. I mean, you want to give people a chance and everything, but you can't be letting them get too far behind. I mean, you know, like you don't set them up for failure either. You don't want to put people in that they can't manage their own money. That's bad. So it's not a charity either. So there's a lot of things that can make you fail too. I mean, but you know, getting over leveraged, you know, like that's a big one. Yeah. I think we all know, you know, what happens there. 100%. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite community? Well, you know what? I'm doing Forest Lawn actually. You know, here in Calgary, everybody will kind of look at you cross-eyed for, you know, being, (laughs) being in that community, investing in that community. I mean, it's definitely got some challenges, but it's undergoing a lot of changes. Yeah. You know what? And I've been there for a number of years now, you know, and I remember it was sort of, Like Forest Lawn is a rough community. You go to a lot of places in in Canada or in the United States like that have slums, right? Yeah. The thing is about Calgary is we don't have slums. We have nice areas. Then we have not as nice areas. Exactly. There is nowhere in Calgary that I am afraid to go walking at night.
0: Okay, come on. But you're Nick Ring. Well, (laughs) I
1: suppose. But, you know, I still wouldn't say that about Winnipeg. I do know what you're saying. I'm not strolling down Hastings Street, you know, at uh, certain (laughs) hours, even if I am Nick Ring. I mean, I went to a place called Monroe, Louisiana, back in 2009. Oh, geez. I mean, that was in the middle of the economic crisis, like the global financial meltdown, of course. So, I mean, foreclosures, they were going rampant at that time back in those days in the States, especially. I mean, they had all those like subprime mortgages and all that stuff started crumbling just out from underneath people's feet. But, you know, in that town, I mean, it was a city of about 70,000 people. You know, one out of every 10 houses was boarded up. (laughs) Like, Yeah, boarded up. They have actual slums there, you know, in that town that where you really can't go walking around because you will get beat up. You know, that's yeah. a town of 70,000 people, you know, Calgary had a million people. I mean, yeah, not really like, yeah. you know, I, I don't really I don't have to worry about where I'm walking or, you know, there's. Yeah, I I find you find that in the States a little bit, too. It's sort of like you go walking around like L.A. and a few wrong turns, yeah, a few wrong turns. I mean, that can kind of get you in trouble, you know, and uh, one street doesn't necessarily look that much different than the other, but they they are different. Right. So, you know, and you don't see that around Calgary. I mean, again, we don't really have a slum per se. We've got higher income and then maybe lower income and maybe some of the people are just I don't know. You see a little bit more crime in certain areas, but you know, I don't know. I, I don't think we have any area town that I would call dangerous. So, I like the Forest lot area actually. So it's very close to downtown. I think that will be the next Marta loop over time, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's
0: affordable and it's a great place to get into
1: for for access. Oh, and you think about this too. So, do you remember Inglewood? Like a champion,
0: <laughs> just put that
1: out there. So we got like Inglewood, which yeah. you maybe go 20, 30 years ago. That was a, that was a bad area town. Oh, yeah. You know, so it went through some changes. It became, you know, kind of a trendy sort of like area. I mean, they cleaned it up a lot. Uh, then it became a good area for businesses and stuff like that. Now you got, I think some of those people, they probably got pushed out of that area and into the forest lawn area. Yeah. But, you know, what you got right now is you've got a bad area, which is Forest Lawn Sandwich, between a good area, which is Inglewood, and another good area, which is Chestermere. Yeah. So, what's going to happen here? Yeah. You got the Ring Road that just went in. So, I mean, now you've got good citywide access, you know, from there. You got Deerfoot, which is another five-minute drive away from there. So, that's good bus rapid transit that's going straight down the middle. They were talking about doing a C train line there at some point too, but obviously they didn't do that. They did the bus, so I think it's pretty pretty good though. So, yeah. I don't know. I like the area. I mean, it is definitely rough. I definitely earned my money. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh yeah. Jeez, you know, some of the characters, I've I've had some funny ones, but oh well. What was <laughs> I had these people, oh boy. I don't even know what I want to say. it It's just so gross, you know. <laughs> I had these people staying in a uh, lower suite or whatever, and, you know, this girl, and I won't mention her name, but she, a little bit late on her rent, and she'd been late for kind of a couple months. Yeah. I go downstairs and everything, like, and I was doing a showing, and, you know, it's probably like three in the afternoon. I'm trying to show the upstairs unit to these people, but there's this party that's going on, and it's like maybe one or two in the afternoon. Anyways, I'm a little embarrassed, and I'm like, I go down there, and... You know, the place is a mess, obviously, and there's just a bunch of people down there. And I'm just like, okay, you know, here's your notice. I'm kicking you out, you know, like that type of thing. I said, well, just just pack your stuff. You know, get out in the next couple of days. That'd be great. So, you know, I come back and <laughs> these people, they had uh, taken shits in the toilet. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> like, they none of them flushed. They just, they just piled it up so that it was like a, just a huge mound, you know, and it like... You couldn't flush a kind of thing. And not only that, but they broke into the upstairs as well, and they did the same thing. So I was like... That
0: takes a lot of effort and, like, pre-planning, doesn't
1: my it? my God. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, Jesus, you know... Oh, well, you know, <laughs> they left a bunch of stuff too. And, uh, I just remember I was so mad. I was just furious. Uh, I found out the new place and you know, they, they left all these like old couches and just, you know, just a bunch of just crap that I'm going to have to take to the dump. But I was so mad and everything. And I found out where, uh, she had moved to and I packed all that stuff up on the truck and, you know, I pulled up right in front of the house and I just, I hooked it like right on the lawn and I can see these guys are partying again and they're like at their new house, just partying just like they were. I'm like, ah, here's your stuff. Ah, Here, take the couch. Ah." You know, I would throw it just. Bags of garbage like right on the front lawn. (laughs) Goodbye, see you later. Yeah,
0: hilarious, hilarious. That's crazy, that's crazy stuff. So you you mentioned to be successful in real estate, one of the things is to get a good price on a home and whatnot. If you were to be using a realtor, what would be something that would make that realtor an epic realtor? Just like your go-to guy.
1: Well, I think realtors, most of them make their money on Joe and Jane, a homeowner. Mm. Yep. You know, I mean, real estate investors like out of, let's just say, a hundred percent. So ninety six percent of home purchases are bought by Joe and Jane homeowner. Yeah, you know, so that represents like four percent of the population that might be doing it for investment purposes. So your average realtor, I mean, like, first of all, it's not the side the bread is buttered on to, you know, deal with investors. They're going to be looking at like slightly different things than say a, you know, a homeowner. Okay. The homeowner, they're going to like the nice walls or, you know, this and that, you know, the real estate investor, he's going to be looking for something that's got the ability to cash flow, right? I don't know. I mean, it's always going to come down to numbers for the uh, real estate investor. And I think the real estate investors, they have a tendency to annoy the realtors. And (laughs) I think the realtors, they have a tendency to annoy the, you know, real estate investors. So I think the best thing, the best match you could probably make is probably a realtor who also is a real estate investor, you know? And I, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of people with realtor licenses. Let's face it. There's not a lot of them that make money That's know, true. out of 5,000 real estate realtors, you know, there's probably 50 or hundred that are actually making money. You know, the rest of them, they just pay their license fee or whatever. And they, you know, they might sell a house or two a year and, you know, and then they got the ultra successful ones. I mean, they're doing pretty good and, you know, and I, I imagine they're doing good because, you know, they're able to be flexible and, you know, adapt to the guy's needs, whoever, whoever it is. Right. But, you know, I think the best realtor is probably somebody who maybe has a couple of rental properties of their own, at least, you know, and, but, uh, I don't think that's going to be necessary for like all purchases either. I mean, no. obviously, but, you know, you got a guy and, uh, you got lots of funds and you're, looking for deals like uh, you're probably going to stick with somebody who kind of knows what you want. And, you know, you go back to them over and over like again, and to
0: establish a good relationship with yeah. and, and has some patience maybe too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is so that your turn of mine? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't been paying attention. I'll, I'll just do it. <laughs> just do it. Oh uh, yeah. I'm talking so much that, uh, no, mean, no, not no. It's a whole lot, but it's
0: it's all good. It is all
1: good. I think I got a good angle on this one.
0: I think so too. I think. That's it's just uh, my
1: jittery little Parkinson's hands. <laughs> no, I don't have Parkinson's. I'm just joking, guys. I'm looking at this thing wobbling around. I know
0: I'm gonna be in trouble the next round or so. There you go. Ooh, that's a good one. Try not to get overconfident on that. Alrighty.
1: Hmm. Ooh. <laughs>
0: So what would you say about um, somebody that's getting into the martial arts and they wanted to get into MMA? Would you want to get into like MMA classes or would you want to focus in on one discipline really well and then expand off that?
1: Like the way I started was I came from a martial arts background and that was normal back then because MMA was new, you know, like you had martial artists that were getting into MMA. I can't say one way is better than the other. Like I started off as a kickboxer, I had to learn jiu jitsu and all that. And like, I kind of got good at stuff separately and then sort of did more MMA. And I don't know if that helped me or hurt me, but I think probably starting with one discipline would be probably make the most sense, you know, learn how to be an athlete, learn how to train and all that. And then you can start adding components, but I'm not convinced it's necessarily the best thing either. So well, that all makes sense. I think it's your turn. I think we're coming to it. All right. So what does this end when we knock this over? <laughs> How does that
0: work? It, it depends. It depends. If if we were really bad at this, we would have to have played two games. But I think we're we're killing it here. So
1: we'll definitely get the we'll get one in here. To be fair, we haven't really been playing that much. So ooh, oh that's oh my. No, you're done.
0: Oh. <laughs> <I'm> done. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, you know what? You're a worthy opponent, my friend, (laughs) Nick Ring. If I'm to lose to somebody, I guess Nick Ring is a good one to say I've suffered a loss to.
1: Oh, yeah, it feels good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right on. So, yeah, you are one of the Jenga champions for sure. All right. At at Epic Phelan. Thank you very much for coming and visiting me today. Maybe bring you back here next time. Beautiful. Yeah, you just let
1: me know when. I'll, I'll come on as a guest anytime. Okay. Sounds good, Nick. Okay, thank you very much.
0: Thanks again for listening to Epic Phelan. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. Give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Real Ryan Phelan And visit my website at www.TheCalgaryRealEstateGuy.com. Until next time, stay epic.